Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today, I'm joined by Wendy Hendry. Wendy is a certified health coach and fitness trainer specializing in eating disorders and food addiction. She's the author of the Amazon bestseller, Weight Loss, The Keys to Food Freedom and Winning the Battle of the Binge. Wendy's weight and click approach to recovery has helped hundreds of people find peace and reach a healthy weight. She believes weight loss should be a natural consequence of healthy living. Wendy, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. You know, before we jump into more about your business, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe what you like to do when you're not working. Hmm, I don't, I really work as my fun and joy. So I don't have a lot of a lot of extra things. I have eight kids, so that keeps me busy. That's um, a lot of extra things, actually. Yeah. They're <laughs> they're all grown. I only have one left at home, so it's not too bad. It does the problems get more expensive but not quite as time consuming. Um, <laughs> let's see. I well my fitness classes, I teach fitness classes. I love I love those. Um, those are probably my main things. I love to read and I'm just kind of an old, I have five grandkids, so I'm just kind of an old homebody at this point. <laughs> well, that's cool. You know, we all love to be inspired by people's journey. So the first part of our conversation is going to focus on your journey. How long have you been coaching and what led you to get into it in the first place? Oh, that's a good question. So you can officially say I started unofficially coaching about 15, 16 years ago. Wow. I, um, I, yeah, I was always really heavy. I always had weight problems. I was a binge eater for, I mean, I'm 50 now. I was a binge eater since I was about 12. So my weight was always up and down and up and down. And I, I was introduced to Billy Blanks. Remember the Tybo yeah. guy? And um, I fell in love with Tybo. And I was in his videos. Like, I just became addicted. And um, and I wanted to teach, and I was good. I mean, that's why he let me in his videos. I was good at it, but I was heavy. And so I couldn't find a job. I live in Utah. <clears throat> I'm from California, but I live here now, and I couldn't find a job anywhere because I just didn't look like a fitness instructor. And so um, I decided, screw the gyms. I'm going to start my own thing. So I started um, just with a small group of my friends, and it kind of grew into this crazy business called Sweaty Chicks Fitness. And, um, and so I had like all, and it, it was sort of just a safe place for women to go, you know, women that didn't feel comfortable in, in the gym atmosphere. Um, and so I started like wanting to help these ladies and I, I have a science background. I'm a microbiologist. And so I, I love reading clinical trials and I love science and stuff like that. So I started doing a lot of research into um, not only exercise, but then nutrition and stuff. And I never wanted Sweaty Chicks to be about a diet or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was always one of those, just come and at any size, it doesn't matter, just come and have fun. Um, but then I went to the doctor at, just for a checkup and he said, you got to lose some weight because my blood sugar was bad. My blood pressure was bad. Like it, it wasn't good. And it, it shocked me. Like it, that really pushed me into learning more about nutrition. 
Um, and so I found this program that I did, and I loved it, and I lost 40 or 50 pounds. Um, and so that's kind of when I officially became a coach. I became a certified health coach then. It's probably been six years now, I'm thinking, five or six years, um, and started helping people with nutrition. And then that kind of took over my life more than anything Um yeah, so I'd say you can say six years I've been an official health certified health coach. Mm. You know, everybody knows that when you get started out as an entrepreneur, when you're just building up a business, there's going to be a whole lot of ups and downs. Oh, so yeah. can you tell us about a time maybe when you just experienced a disappointment or just a low point while you were building your business? Oh, there's so many where to start. <laughs> the lows are, it's its like directly proportional to the highs though. And so I have realized that on those low days, it's okay because I know a high day is coming soon. And and it, it's, to me, like health coaching is, is like a marriage. Like the love kind of comes and goes, you know, like a roller coaster up and down and up and down. But as long as the commitment stays steady, it's always going to come back up. And generally speaking, it'll come back up higher than it did before. And so, right. um, and so as far as a low day for me, I mean, there have been times when I just couldn't get out of bed. I remember one day waking up and checking my email and I had like 10 unsubscribes on my, in my email. And I just, that was it. I stayed in bed all day, but you can't let that stuff get to you. That was a right. while ago, and I'm, you know, I'm up out of bed now. But yeah, <laughs> I hate getting the unsubscribes. I need to unsubscribe from the unsubscribe email because I just feel like I take it so personally. It's hard not to take it personally. That's, you know what? I'm kind of glad you said that because I thought that I was the only person that let that bother me. But it's like you almost look at it like, why don't they like me anymore? <laughs> I know. I Exactly. That's exactly right. I, I even quit unsubscribing to other people just because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> Stick it in my junk hole. <laughs> oh, no. You know, a lot of times when people are getting started, you, you always hear about the hustle. You've got to hustle. You've got to, you've got to take action. And uh, that's really true. I mean, it takes a lot of, of small steps, a lot of consistent action before we can feel like we're really catching that first big break. So can you tell us about a time, like maybe when you finally started to gain momentum when you were building up your business? Um, yes, momentum. I So I, I did my health coaching for a couple of years. Um, and then I... I saw that a lot of my clients, they were gaining their weight back, um, and it really frustrated me because I was the same way. Like, I, it, it's easy, to, well, not easy, but you can take weight off. It's the keeping it off that's hard. And so I started just doing a whole bunch of research, and I ended up reading this book about the brain, and I learned about, like, really what mindfulness is and how to hear. You have those two voices that say, one says, eat the donut, and one says, don't eat the donut. Mm-hmm. And so I started like really hearing these two voices and I was able to overcome my binging. I quit binging. And at that point I knew I had to help other people with that. Like that's kind of, that kind of became my focus. So I wrote my book, my, um, I wrote weight. It's called weight loss, W A I T L O S S. Mm -hmm. Um, the keys to food freedom. That's the name of the book. And so I think once I, I wrote that book, that was kind of the takeoff point. It hit the Amazon bestseller, like the, the second day it was on there, which was 
not expected. Um, and so then I started getting all of these emails and stuff from people um, just that needed help. And so that's really when things started taking off and I started realizing I need to learn how to do this online business stuff. Um, I'd never done anything like that before. So right. that, yeah, that's, and that was only about a year and a half ago that hmm. that happened, that my book came out. Cool. Now, I'd love to know a little bit more about what you were saying about mindfulness and the, you know, the two voices, one telling you to do something and one telling you not to do something. Tell me mm -hmm. a little bit about that, that research and what you learned there. Well, it really applies to anything. So you have, there's two parts of your brain. You have the limbic system, which is the very first part of your brain to develop, and it's responsible for keeping you alive. That's its job. And that's the one that's telling you to eat the donut because it likes to feel good. It's kind of like a little kid. It just wants to feel good. It's impulsive. It doesn't think. It has no thinking. It has no analytical skills. And then you have the front part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex. And that's the part of your brain that, that you think with. That's your personality, your analytical skills. And that's the part of the brain that's telling you to eat the broccoli instead of the donut. It mm -hmm. always wants what's in your best interest, always. And it isn't, I'm, I mean, food is just one little aspect. It, it tells me all the time to stay in bed because I'm tired or don't, don't go exercise because, you know, you, you don't need to. And even like negative thoughts are coming from my limbic system, telling me I'm fat or telling me I'm not good enough. And so what I learned was that this limbic system really has no power. And I relate it to um, my uh, my firstborn son, Matthew. He's he's 26 now, I think. But he um, he didn't sleep through the night when he was first born. He had colic. And so he just screamed and screamed. And since it was our first kid, obviously, we would go get him and cuddle him and feed him and love him, put him back in bed. And after a while, he started getting up twice a night and then three times a night. And <laughs> each time we're feeding him, putting him back in bed. And eventually the doctor just said, look, you've just got to let him scream. You just got to let him scream. He's fine. He's safe. He's he's well cared for. Just let him scream through the night. And so we did. And the first night was, you know, awful torture. But mm -hmm. it got better. And eventually he started sleeping through the night. And so I learned that our limbic system was, was just like Matthew. Like it's just screaming, the urges, the cravings, the negative thoughts, um, the things that are telling you, the voice that's telling you to do things that are not in your best interest. That it's just like a baby that's screaming. It has no power. That part of your brain cannot, um, can't even lift a fork. Like it has no power. And so the prefrontal cortex, that's the adult part of the brain. That's the one that you need to be listening to. And so I just always, I just started kind of visualizing that, like the prefrontal cortex, that adult brain is standing outside of the door listening to this baby scream. And eventually the voices just get quieter. You know, the urges, the cravings, whatever that habit is that you've created, biting your nails, picking your nose, whatever it is, you can stop it using your prefrontal cortex because you just have to let the baby scream. And then eventually it stops screaming just like Matthew did and, and bam, a new habit's born. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, well, okay, so two things about that. First is that 
I think, like you said, this could be applied to anything. I mean, it can be applied to the fact that I put off sending emails, you know, because exactly. it feels a lot better to sit down in front of Netflix. So, yes. <laughs> you know, so that it could be applied to, to our businesses, to our lives, not only to the bad habits maybe that we have. And then the second thing is, okay, so once I recognize that what is telling me to do what feels good is just that part of myself that is in survival mode that wants to feel good as often as possible, right. mm -hmm. how how do I then stop listening to it? What's, what's the best way to, to shift to that prefrontal cortex where mm -hmm. it's more logical? It's not about not listening to it. You want to listen to it. It's a fascinating conversation. It doesn't matter what the addiction is, but the conversation's always the same. The prefrontal cortex recognizes the trigger, whatever it is. Um, it could be food. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be staying in bed. Like what you said, it could be procrastination. Mm -hmm. The trigger's there. And then the back of the brain, that limbic system gives out some kind of excuse like, like, it's okay, you can do it tomorrow, or it's okay, you can eat that dozen donuts because you went to the gym today, or it's okay, you don't need to send out those emails, it, you can watch the movie because you always have later on. Like, there's always some kind of excuse, mm -hmm. and then the prefrontal cortex comes back and says, yeah, that's not such a good idea, probably shouldn't eat a dozen donuts. And then the back, the, the um, well, no, actually, I forgot the important part. The back, the limbic system gets excited. It always gets excited because it's going to have its way. And then the prefrontal cortex says, um, says not a good idea. That's when the limbic system says, it's okay, go ahead and do it. You can write your emails tomorrow. And then the prefrontal cortex has a decision to make. So it's not that you don't want to hear the voice. You want to hear the conversation. It's a fascinating conversation. <laughs> you just want to be able to pause between the excuse that the limbic system gives and then the time that the prefrontal cortex makes the decision. You want to pause and you want to make the better decision, if that if that makes sense. And then mm -hmm. eventually, I mean, it, it depends what you're talking about. Like when I'm helping my emotional eaters, those cravings are really bad at first, especially with bingers, people that are addicted to sugar and stuff. Mm -hmm. And eventually the cravings do calm down, but you're always going to hear that limbic system and it's always going to be throwing things out. And we need the limbic system. I mean, we want to hear it. It's the thing that tells us to run when we're being chased by a bear. So we don't want to shut it out. It's more that we just want to learn to dismiss it. Just dismiss it or just ignore it and say, yeah, I hear you back there. I hear you that you want the donut, but that's all right. You're going to be fine without it. And you make the choice. So what is that then when you have some people who are just super productive, like they, they just do everything, they're in the gym all the time, they're always getting their work done. And then you have people on the flip side that really struggle to get their work done or they really struggle with the good food choices or the good exercise choices is that just that's just part of who we are or or is that some people are better able to train themselves to make those right decisions yeah i think it's both they i just was reading about this one study they did on mice they wanted to to try to figure out how habits work because habits are stored back there too and um so they they got these mice addicted to sugar two types of mice um, the one of the types of 
let me go back. I'm sorry. I get my brain goes faster than my mouth sometimes. <laughs> so they got these these mice and they started giving them sugar water every time they would hit a lever. So it was the lever they got them addicted to. So even when they took the sugar water away, one set of mice still was hitting the lever. It's like it still wanted that sugar. It couldn't stop hitting the lever. The other set of mice hit the lever once, realized that it's not going to get any sugar, and so it was done. That's it. It didn't hit the lever anymore. And so what they discovered was it truly is like ingrained as far as people who are addicted and stuff. I mean, there's definitely a tendency um, towards that. There was the lever hitting mice and the non-lever hitting mice. And then what they did after that was they dissected their brains to see exactly how that was working. And what they found was in the non, there's, there's two pathways that go, um, like a go path, neuro pathway and a stop neuro pathway. And in, it's not that, um, you have one or you have the other. It's a matter of which one goes first. And so in some people, basically more willpower, like you just, it's ingrained in you. Um, and then the other mice, those ones, the go pathway went first. But then what they did was they started using sugar water to teach the, the mice not to hit the lever, and they did that. So the mice that had been previously addicted to the lever pushing actually were trained to not, and then they saw, sure enough, their go neuropath, their stop neuropathway went first. And so my point is, yes, I think it's ingrained for some people. It's easier. They say about 30% of people have a tendency to be uh, addicted, to have that you know, that susceptibility. Um, but it, we can all overcome it. We can all become non-lever pushing mice, basically. It just sometimes, for some of us, it takes a little more work. Um, but we can do it, all of us, every one of us. So yeah, it's, it's, it, I think it's something we're born with. And some people are just like some people are born with better hair than other people. Some people <laughs> have better willpower, I guess. That's such an interesting story. I mean, I love that we got off on that pathway there. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is a lot of us will set goals for ourselves. Now, whether or not we are inherently more able to reach those goals or whether they might be a little bit harder for us to reach and we have to push ourselves a little farther, setting goals and setting benchmarks is a way that we can measure how far we've come or what sort of success we're having. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us what you feel has been your favorite achievement or just the biggest success so far in your business? Oh, probably the biggest six. And I don't know if it was the biggest success, but it was the one that I'll never forget. And that affected me the most mm -hmm. was the very first person I worked with one-on-one. -on -one. I had a friend call me and I wasn't doing any kind of one-on-one -on -one stuff at all. I was doing like workshops and stuff like that, but I just had never done that. And she said, I have a friend who the doctor says he's going to die if he doesn't stop binging. Um, he's been to counseling. He's been to, like, he'd, uh, he'd been inpatient trying to learn to not be a binge eater and he just couldn't do it. And um, I was really nervous because this guy has two darling kids and this amazing wife and a great business made lots of money, but he, and he's in his mid thirties, but he's going to die. If he didn't stop binging, he was on 13 different medications. He was really heavy. Um, and so I started coaching him one-on-one -on -one and 
we had two sessions and by the second session he had stopped binging and that was about a year ago and he's still not binging as a matter of fact i texted him yesterday i hadn't heard from him in a while just to check in and see how he was doing and he said he's full of peace life and happiness that was Mm. his text Um, yeah so i think that was probably it knowing that this information that i have this these techniques like really truly help people and i just after that i just became really passionate about it like this is my mission in life right so speaking of having a mission in life what I would love to know is what does your future look like? What are you most excited about creating next in your business? Oh, such a good question. So I just finished doing a video series because I'd been doing these eight-week workshops um, and people were not wanting to wait because I was doing them every three months. Mm-hmm. And so I turned it into a video series and I just launched that like yesterday. And so that's that's the big thing that's on my mind uh, right now is just getting that out. Um, and then I want to be able to do uh, some speaking. Like my ultimate goal is to be able to to do speaking gigs, try to reach as many people as I can. So that's that's my goal. Very cool. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, it's just a natural progression for for a lot of coaches and trainers to to get into speaking and to sort of add that to their repertoire of things that they do, just get their message out there to, right. to more and more people. Right. Yeah, that's the ultimate goal anyways. Meanwhile, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Well, I want to move the conversation now to what's working in business. One of the things that coaches love to talk about is ways to generate revenue. Now, a lot of people love the one-on-one model, and that's what they like to stick with. And then other people like to try different things and be creative in different ways, and they have several different income streams. So how are you generating revenue in your business? I am part of the latter. So I love the one-on-one, but it's limiting as far as income goes and as far as reachability goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I kind of do everything. I do one-on-one. I was doing my workshops. Now I have my video series that's bringing in, bringing in income. Um, and so I, like for me, I had to experiment with a whole bunch of different things to figure out uh, what worked. I mean, I did webinars at first and that wasn't like, I didn't love those. So I think it's about the money, but it's also about what you enjoy. So I've kind of, I've kind of settled into to doing all of that. I, if I had to pick one of them, like just for pure enjoyment, it would probably be the one-on-one. That's the one that like is most mm-hmm. fulfilling. But as far as revenue generating stuff goes, I mean, that's limiting. So you really have got to branch into the other areas. Right. Well, you only have so many hours in a week, so you either have to increase the ways you're bringing revenue in or you have to increase that per hour price so that mm-hmm. you can bring more revenue in. Yeah, exactly. I really like one of the things that you said, which was that you tried a lot of things. And once you got into it and found out that it wasn't something that really spoke to you, you weren't afraid to to kind of discard it and, and to put your energy into the things that did work really well. Right. I've spent enough years doing things I didn't like, and I'm at the the final third of my life or half of my life. So I figured I'd do something that I really love. <laughs> well, I think that's a great attitude to have, especially in business. If we're going to go into business for ourselves and, and if we want to be entrepreneurs, a big part of that needs to be enjoying what we're doing. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just makes sense. And you can do you can do both. I mean, why not 
do something you enjoy and make money doing it. Exactly. That's the best of both worlds. Exactly. I mean, I think that most people get into coaching because they want to bring their message out and serve as many people as possible and be able to, to make a good living doing it. You know, Wendy, the Unstoppable Coach family is made up of really both new and experienced coaches. But one thing that everybody seems to have in common is that they all really want tips and tricks that are going to help them to grow their business. And we all know that the cornerstone of almost every coaching business is brand new clients. So what would you say is your favorite strategy for attracting brand new people to your business? Hmm. I think my favorite strategy and the strategy that works might not be the same thing. So, okay. What I mean, it really, it's just all about relationships. I'd love it if I could just throw a Facebook ad out there and have clients rolling in, you know, that cold market. Right. But it's just all about relationships. And so the, the CTA thing works, the connect, teach, and then ask. So, so I usually, and I mean, you can do that with whatever time frame you want. Um, I usually try, like if I'm in a group as a, as a, as a guest or something, I'll try to connect with them and teach them for three weeks maybe. And then, and then in the last month, I'll promote my program, ask them to, to join my program. So I think more than anything, it's just connecting with people and giving them a little bit of, of what you know and what you can do. And then, um, and then asking them once there's a relationship there. Mm, I love that. CTA, connect, teach, and then ask. Correct. That's some great advice. Yeah. Now, knowing what you know now about building up a really successful business, what would you say is one action step that coaches should take immediately if they want to build up a successful business? Or maybe even, what do you wish that you had done first? Um, I wish I would have been more tuned in to my subscriber list. Like I, I, I wasn't really focused on getting emails and stuff. I focused more on building, um, just building my Facebook groups, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I, I should have started earlier with my getting leads, getting the actual emails from people. So don't, don't, yeah, don't lose, don't let any email sit on the table, nothing. Just get, get it, start your subscriber list and start connecting with them because they're your people, they're your tribe. Right. And, and a lot of people may not know that we can't get emails from Facebook. Correct. So not unless we do a second ask and, and then convert people once they're in the group, we can try to convert them over to a list. Right. But for the most part, even if you build up this amazing Facebook group, you don't really have complete access to those people. Right. So always, always be building up your list on your own website. You know, there is one thing, they have a new thing with Facebook now that you can put like a poll in there so that before people join your group, they have to answer questions and you can put mm-hmm. and, you know, ask for an email in one of the questions too. Um, that's, yeah. yeah, that's great advice. I had no idea about that. Yeah, one. I do that in one of my, one of my groups that I have. Perfect. Wendy, this has really been so good. I've learned so much from our time together and I want to finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions. Okay. So what is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? Um, probably indomitable spirit. Like I just, I don't give up. I mean, I fail all the time and I just try to learn from it and then I keep going. 
What is one quality that you feel every successful coach needs to develop? Um, love. Love and kindness. The biggest things. Recommend one book that's had a big impact, either on your business or on your life. Ooh, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. It's a game changer. Give us one online resource that you think coaches would love to use in their business and that you couldn't do business without. Canva. I love Canva. Canva Canva.com. And then finally, how can the listeners best connect with you? What social platforms are you on? And give us your web address. Okay. It's uh, wendyhendry.com. So W-E-N-D-Y-H-E-N-D-R-Y.com. That's my website. And I'm on Facebook. Um... And Instagram, Wendy L. Hendry, uh, Twitter, and I think that's it. Is that all of them? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, LinkedIn? Uh, I don't know. I'm probably on there somewhere, but I can't keep, I can't keep track of all the social media stuff. Mostly I use Facebook and I'm just starting to use Instagram a lot more too. I will be sure to get all of those links onto the show notes page. This has been such a great conversation, Wendy. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. You too. Thank you for asking me. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.